As we stand at the precipice, feeling the heat on our faces from the dumpster fire our country has devolved into, sometimes an escape is necessary. And sure, meth will do that for you, but maybe, just maybe, dating horror stories from someone else's romantic fuckery might be better for your health. Surely your dentist would agree. So, laugh, cry, blush from secondhand embarrassment, and revel in a playground of mishaps that just might help you forget. Welcome to The Cultural Experience, Season 1, The Alphabet Chronicles. X is for Xanax. The Piano Man was a real treat. You know, one of those where the fuck has my life gone and left me kind of treats. The kind of treat they used to warn you about as a kid. You know, candy apples with razor blades in them. Treats like that. It all started after a long week at work. I'd been putting in late nights at the office and needed to blow off some steam. I thought the gym might do the trick, so I stopped by for a workout. I was vainly attempting to selfie my arms at their most swole when I was interrupted by a text. We're at that piano bar downtown. Come, we need someone who knows the songs. Between the mental energy I'd poured into my workout and the dexterity required to navigate the congested locker room packed to the brim with finance bros, I was primed and ready for the release only a musical theater piano bar can provide. I rushed to the train, fighting the bevy of crazy, and made it through the turnstile just as the doors opened. Suddenly, the world moved in slow motion. My breath caught. Standing on the other side of the open doors was the man I thought I'd spend the rest of my life with. The man I thought I'd raise children with. The man who broke my heart so completely, I'm still finding its errant shards burrowed in random fibers of my life. The alcoholic. I didn't know what to do. I wanted to run, to cry, to hug him, to kiss him, to disappear. Why is it I know exactly what I want to say when I'm alone in the shower, but when we're face to face, my knees turn to jello and suddenly I'm Helen Kellering all over myself. Thankfully, all I did was enter the train. We acknowledged each other, cordially, but there wasn't much to talk about. I exploded during a text exchange a few months back. I told him to stop texting me to leave me alone, and he had. That might have been the first time he actually did what I asked. Seeing it was awkward, you know, painful. Maybe for both of us? I don't know. I can never tell how or if I affected him. He's someone who probably means more to me than I ever meant to him. I'm learning to understand that that's okay. My sentimentality was jarringly shattered when, mid-conversation, maybe even mid-sentence, he said goodbye and went to sit at the other end of the train. Ha! <laughs> I guess that was it. There was officially nothing else to say. I got off at my stop, leaving him to continue his trek downtown. I looked back to see if he was watching. He wasn't. I don't know why I thought he would be. With new determination and an intensely singular focus, I walked the few blocks to the bar, my desire for a drink propelling me one foot in front of the other. I needed something to take the edge off, something to help me forget. My friends wouldn't be able to fix the deep cuts, but they'd provide enough salve to soothe the fresh wounds. That's one of the things gay men are good for. They even had a drink waiting for me before I'd finished descending the staircase, the portal leading from the street to this musical theater den of oral debauchery, confirming the night would provide the dose of medicine required. 
As necessary as this escape from the dumpster fire of emotions was, I had an early meeting the next morning. I told myself I'd stay for a few drinks, but still plan to get home at a reasonable hour. Just long enough to numb my frayed emotions and quench my need for no-fucks showtune singing. Something equally important that happens every so often and must be paid attention to, satiated only by extreme doses of Sondheim and Schoenberg and Candor. Well... As so often happens, we make plans and God laughs, deciding we're going to get 45 minutes of sleep on a Wednesday. <laughs> Hashtag praise be. The musical theater hits were coming one after the other, and when they're coming that fast, the drinks must follow equally as fast, even when you love them. Nay, especially when you love them, because there is inevitably an obese man that will sit too near the piano, screaming in a piercing falsetto every time the pianist plays a song you love. But... He won't do it consistently. His occasional silence will lull you into complacency, so you think you're safe. You will think he's done raping every song in the musical theater canon until you hit the next climax, or his favorite part of a song, or a random moment when he feels moved by the spirit. There really is no way to guard against this kind of assault except for booze. So you're forced to drink. And when the hits and drinks are flowing this intensely, well... That's when everyone starts making friends. It's one of the elements of this bar that sober, I detest. But when I'm drunk, oh, I love. I make all the friends. They're so wonderful, they're cute, and they exist in this little underground world where time stops and musical theater lives. And as you sing these wonderful songs with your new friends, the world is okay for a minute. You forget about running into the love of your life on the train. Forget about the man who shattered your heart into a thousand pieces. It's like a hug you didn't realize would make everything better. This night would prove to be like all the others. I was relaxing, half a drink in, just softening to the idea of mingling with strangers, when, almost on cue, the pianist started playing the classic belt your face off like you're in a room full of drunk deaths, don't rain on my parade. By the time we hit the first parade, the silvery tones of a gorgeous belter drowned the out-of-tune tourists and beckoned me from a far corner. Instantly, I popped a musical theater boner. We must be friends, I thought. You, I boomed, pointing at her face. You can sing. Yes, that placement. Yes. <sighs> and then she turned looked me dead in the eye, and started belting into my face. Because that is what you do in this bar. That is how you make connections here. Ugh, it gave me all the life I needed. After the song ended, we shared the you're wonderful, no, you're wonderful gay man, straight woman back and forth. I don't know, it was heaven. The pianist got up for his break and commented on our little love affair as he passed us. He was cute in a Jack Black kind of way, which you know, normally isn't my scene, but apparently I've been marinating in a sexual year of yes. Before heading downstairs, he side-eyed the obese songbird sitting at the piano who was ruining all the good numbers, giving the three of us a chance to share our mutual disdain. It was some casual drive-by flirting. Cute, but I didn't really think much of it. I was distracted by my new friend. She and I continued our love affair, but I could feel the pianist's eyes boring a hole in the back of my head. I turned around. That's not your boyfriend, is it? He yelled over the din of drunk musical theater folks, pointing at a random standing next to me. Huh. He was flirting. Interesting. He wasn't what I would conventionally go for, but there was something about him that got me where I needed to be. 
I nodded no, and he smiled as he sashayed his way downstairs to the bathroom. He eye-fucked me into exhaustion through the next few sets until the late hour became oppressively obvious. It was time for my exit, lest I turn to a pumpkin. I, I mean, I did have to work the next morning. I contemplated leaving my number on a napkin, but there were few two people left to do so casually. I mean, he was the center of attention. I decided it wasn't meant to be and got up, throwing in the proverbial towel when he started flirting again, this time with a not-so-subtle hint of desperation. Don't go. His attention was intriguing, flattering, so I figured, why not? I'll stick it out and wait until his next break. Well, his next break never came. In fact, the next time he got up from the piano was to tell us the bar was closing, roughly around 4 a.m. Oh, Lord. Hashtag life choices. After maneuvering from behind the piano, he came over to me and put his hand on my waist. So, what's your story? Ooh, a little forward. I like this. Well, I just... I trailed off as he interrupted me. What are your plans for the evening? We should hang out. I just have to go do some coke. Do you do coke? Uh... Um, <laughs> no, I nervously laughed, hoping, assuming he was joking. I mean, it, it was a joke, right? What? It's the end of my shift. He left me waiting at the piano as he laughed his way to the bar, then downstairs to the bathroom. Now I know, I know. But his sense of humor really led me to believe he was just kidding. Look, Coke isn't the end of the world, but I didn't have any interest in hooking up with someone on Coke. Especially if all I had in my system was alcohol. It was a Wednesday. This was not the night for a Coke-fueled taffy pull with a stranger. After coming back upstairs, he motioned me over to the bar. There was no telltale sign of whether or not he'd snorted lines in the bathroom. Maybe I was okay. As I approached, I saw the waitress emptying out the tip bowl. Oh. I, I hadn't accounted for this. He was at work which meant there would be after-work duties, even if it was already 4 a.m. Well, I guess I signed myself up for this one, didn't I? I might as well sidle up to the bar, down the drink he'd offered up, and wait for him to finish counting his tips. Idiot. There was some odd off-color chit-chat at the bar between the other workers and their hangers-on. Nothing overtly offensive, but a very specific type of chatter perfected by overweight, middle-aged gay men, cringeworthy enough to stifle any desire I had to offer up my two cents. I was minding my own business, desperately trying to stay awake for what I hoped would be an eventful end to my night, when a random down the bar started hitting on me. I suppose in the grand scheme of things it was a compliment, but this man's lazy eye was wasted and, well, its lack of clear direction was starting to creep me out. Every time it would bob, I would weave, but the bar was small. I wasn't sure how much longer I'd be able to dodge its advances without making it awkward, particularly since I was becoming less and less skilled at escaping its grip. Initially, the level of intoxication seemed to dampen its dexterity, but the more I attempted to elude its advances, the stronger it became. Somehow, our bobbing and weaving had strengthened its resolve. It was learning. Luckily, just as I started to reach peak uncomfortable, it was time to leave. A narrow escape. So, where do you live? Upper West Side. Hoping and praying he lived in Queens and we could just go to my place. It would make everything easier. Oh, I just moved from there. I I'm in Hell's Kitchen. Huh. Not horrible. And it was closer. I, I don't Maybe going to his place could work? My apartment is a mess. I just got back into town. Is it okay if we go to yours, he asked? Sure, I beamed. It's always nice when they concede to a sleepover at your place. There's something comforting about being in your own home, in your own bed. 
Oftentimes it's tricky to get them to leave the next morning, but I knew work would be an easy excuse to usher him out the door at a reasonable hour. There's nothing worse than a trick who won't leave. Once, I desperately had to take my morning shit and the guy wouldn't go. My Kegels have never gripped so hard in my entire life. I tried everything just short of the truth in hopes that he would take the hint and get the fuck out. But nothing worked. He just kept talking. Because of my blind panic, afraid I would crap my pants right in the middle of my living room, I, I'm still not sure what I said or what he said. God only knows what I agreed to in that moment of desperation. Come to think of it, I'm not sure we got together after that. Maybe he was breaking up with me? I should have just farted him out the door. Great. So the Upper West Side it is. I wonder how close you are to my old place, he said as he patted my ass. Excited to be going to my apartment, I hurried outside where it was starting to drizzle a bit. We scurried to find a cab, and after getting in, he abruptly changed his mind. Let's go to my place. His lack of focus was dizzying. I mean, it's messy, but like, do you mind? It's not too bad. It's just, I've only recently got back into town. To be honest, yes, I did mind. I had waited through all this closing shift bullshit for someone I was only mildly attracted to to have my efforts rewarded with a messy apartment and a bed that wasn't my own. Really? But staying in this self-hating theme of the rest of my life, I choked out, no, sure, that's fine. (sighs) I desperately tried to hide my eye roll in the darkness as the cab whisked us off to Hell's Kitchen. I was a little drunk, and I was God knows how early in the morning, so clearly we started making out. I was really getting into the dance of our tongues and the kneading of his hands when I noticed this odd kind of sour, chalky taste. Oh, my goodness. He'd actually snorted coke in the bathroom. (laughs) He wasn't kidding. I should have said something, reacted in some way. But through the haze of our makeout session, I reasoned away, well, reason. The way I figured it, he hadn't been acting weird. He didn't seem aggressive. He wasn't doing it in the cab. I decided to go with it. I'd already made a commitment, right? We pulled up to his apartment, uh, got out of the cab, and as we were walking down the hall, he warned me again about the apartment. Was this the coke talking? Like, dude, how bad could it be? And then he unlocked the door. Never in my 30-plus years on this earth have I seen something like this. I don't know if words can do it justice, Every inch of his living room was tight with garbage. Each discarded item jammed so closely to its neighbor that the inanimate objects looked more uncomfortable than I felt. This wasn't a just-returned-from-traveling mess. This was a curated disaster area requiring a hazmat suit for entry— There were filthy clothes, sheet music, stiff socks, empty containers of food, and old toilet paper rolls occupying every imaginable crevice of this apartment. And those were only the things I could see. It's impossible to know the extent of wonder buried under the top layers of filth, or how long it took to amass such havoc. It is the single grossest home I've ever seen. I stood there, genuinely speechless, for maybe the first time in my life. There wasn't even a path to navigate the chaos. At least the couch was clear. I'm sorry, I told you it was bad. But I mean, it's not awful, right? Are you okay? Uh, It took me a minute to find the words. Uh, 
As long as I don't get scabies, <laughs> I guess it's fine. It was so bad, I made a scabies joke. And yet, I stayed. I'm not exactly sure what possessed me. If the coke wasn't going to deter me, I guess very little would have. The phantom memory of the alcoholic on the train must have been what pushed me forward. I needed to move on. I needed to forget. We undressed in a bizarrely sterile way. I mean, I couldn't let my clothes hit the floor. I had to be very cautious. Everything needed to be carefully placed on my bag, which was placed on the couch. I, I started with my pants first, trying not to let the mess infiltrate my mind and send me screaming for the street. But these were skinny jeans, and the damn ankle holes needed extra attention. I had to look down to attend to them. I, I couldn't avoid the mess. Oh, God. There were leftover bowls with silverware nestled in there. What? I thought it was just clothes and empty packaging. You know, a, a fruit snack container or a macaroni and cheese box. I didn't notice any actual food when I walked in, but, I mean, how could I? There was too much for the eye to take in. I should have said no. I should have run for the hills. Why was I being nice? I, I knew this wasn't going to be enjoyable for me, and yet I kept getting naked. I needed to forget. I needed this to distract me from my feelings. Once I was finally undressed and permanently scarred, we stumbled into the bedroom, which, however unfathomable it may be, was equally as messy. Good God, man, get your life together! We finally made it into the bed where we started making out again. Huh. His, uh, his sheets felt nice. Different, but, but nice. Okay, at least this was looking up, you know, marginally, and, and I was enjoying our kissing, I started to relax. It was dark now, so I couldn't make out the formidable mess consuming every square inch of livable space. I could almost pretend my Jack Black-esque piano man took me back to a charmingly unkempt apartment. You know, something quaintly frat-like. Not clean, per se, but something that gave off a far less homeless hovel aesthetic, which, frankly, is the only way to describe what this was. You know what? I take that back. That's disrespectful to the man on the corner of 39th and 5th. He takes more pride in his 4x4 patch of sidewalk than this man has for his midtown apartment. Why did I have to run into the alcoholic? Because the dark allowed me to lie to myself, I kept unfurling my defenses and letting go of the initial stress, happy to embrace the distraction of his kiss. Until something rough scratched against my face. The sheets were so soft, what could have caused this? As I forced my eyes to adjust, the reason slowly came into focus. All his pillows were bare. There weren't pillowcases on any of them. Ugh. The naked, sweat-stained yellow lumps had done this. I'd been scratched by his pillows. Yikes. This moment flooded me with the reality of my situation, and I was again hyper-aware of my surroundings. What? Was there porn playing? Had he, had he turned on porn at some point? When suddenly there was a smell. H had that smell been there from the beginning? Had the porn been on since we walked in? I, I needed to remove myself for a second. I needed to pee or something. Everything was getting to be too much. And suddenly the mess was closing in on me. I pulled away from his coke-laden kiss and told him I needed to go to the bathroom. No! He shouted. Then he took his knees and pulled them back to his ears, exposing every bit of his asshole. Just pee in my butt. I have rubber sheets. That's why the sheets felt different. But what? What kind of kinky sex rubber sheet covered hate Ashbury wet dream was this? Pee in my butt? 
Where had I heard that before? Oh, that's right. Some other guy had asked me to pee in his butt just a few weeks prior. Um, when did peeing in butts become a thing? Is this something everyone discovered while I was in my heterosexual relationship? I, I don't think heterosexual people pee in butts. How did someone even realize they liked this? Is there one gay guy running around New York City doing all this peeing? I'd kind of like to meet this butt peer, to be honest. The one single-handedly revolutionizing the gay sex scene. Who is he? What does he look like? How does he even do it? Does one's dick need to be hard to pee in a butt? Even if I wanted to. I don't think I could physically make that happen. I don't even have an issue peeing with morning wood because it just goes down. Because I have to pee. Is it more aiming the pee toward the butt and like some of it goes in? I, I don't think that's the intention. One guy made it sound like he wanted me to take my hard dick and put it up his butt and unleash the, all the urine in my body into him. I, I can get into a lot, but this is just not one of those things. Clearly having no understanding of the mechanics required for such a request, I politely declined and chose to use the toilet instead. The trip to the bathroom would be a necessary reprieve from whatever the fuck this was. After dismounting and stumbling out of the bedroom, I was careful to take note of landmarks on my voyage, unsure if I'd be able to find my way back without them. There was the box of macaroni and cheese right outside the bedroom door, crowning the mess that lay beneath it. Check. Then, to my left, the empty surplus container once filled with paper towels sitting next to the couch— it was unclear what they'd been used to wipe up, as nothing in this apartment was clean, but regardless, the box would serve as a solid beacon of hope on my return trip. Then, as I passed the couch, I stumbled into a mound of festering clothes next to the far end of the coffee table. At least I think it was the coffee table. It was level with the mess, so I, I couldn't be too sure, but coffee table or not, the landmark would hold. Almost to the bathroom, I spotted a garbage can overflowing with horrors, warning me not to enter the kitchen. This would be the perfect guidepost for keeping me on my path to salvation. <sighs> After what even Homer would consider a treacherous journey, I finally made it to the door. I entered, keeping my eyes on the prize, refusing to take in the sludge I assumed was coating every surface. I'm not sure any of my piss landed in the toilet. I'm pretty sure it didn't matter. Instinctually, I reached for the handle, but couldn't bring myself to flush. I just, I just didn't have it in me to touch the toilet. I assumed there was a degree of safety with the faucet, though, so I forced myself to at least wash my hands. As I attempted to scrub the filth from my soul, I locked eyes with my reflection in the unspeakably cloudy mirror. You can do this, I assured the shell of a human I'd become. Why? Why did I feel like I needed to do this? This had to be the equivalent of, of an emotional lobotomy. That's why I was still here, wasn't it? There was just no other way to explain it. I, I think this is officially called rock bottom. I guess in my defense, I didn't know my evening would turn into this shit show. Oh my god. Thank god he didn't ask me to shit on him. That would have really been the cherry on top of this nightmare. Breathing deeply in a newly fortified haze of delusion, I exited the bathroom and began my voyage back to the land of rubber sheets and pus-colored lumps masquerading as pillows. I almost lost my way at the mound of festering clothes, but the empty box of towels helped keep me on track. After 30 minutes navigating the post-apocalyptic situation, I somehow arrived at the bedroom. Praise be for the landmarks. It's very possible I may have been lost for good without them, left to the same fate as the dignity I'd discarded somewhere between the box of tampons 
unclear, and hamburger helper on my way in. I woke after what felt like five minutes, on a bare pillow, naked, with my dried mess like spilt milk coating my chest. Never in my life have I felt more successful or sexy. The piano man was in the other room, playing video games as I stumbled around looking for neat piles of clothes I had carefully placed amid the madness. The blue glare from the TV was sobering. I had to get out. In my haste, my jockstrap fell onto the floor, so clearly it was lost for good. I abandoned it in the hopes it would serve as a warning for the next loser the piano man lured to Hades. Hashtag RIP. We exchanged numbers. I was just being polite at this point because this was never happening again. And then I made my way to the street. I figured I could run by my gym and shower the shame away, absolve myself of the horror I'd just willingly participated in. I was digging in my pocket for a Xanax I so desperately needed when I saw it. The rain. <laughs> there was no way I was going to make it to the gym and still get in on time. The traffic would be horrible. So, I had no choice but to go to work coated in my rock-bottom decisions. And as I trudged through the pedestrian congestion to the train, umbrella-less, the rain soaked my soul. There was something restorative about its cool wetness. A small reminder that even the messiest situations can be easily washed away, easily wiped up once you choose to do so. It was time. Thank you for listening to The Cultural Experience, Season 1, The Alphabet Chronicles. The podcast that's 100% true, except when it's not. Essays are written by Cole Grissom, inspired by real events. But rest assured, if a character resembles you in any way, I promise you're wrong. If you like what you heard today, subscribe, share, tell your friends, your frenemies, your bad dates, your good dates, the guy in the alley you're planning on giving a handy to later tonight. Tell them all. Until next time, friends.